Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to VUX World, the voice user experience and strategy podcast. Before we get into this show today, one really quick announcement. Uh, voice uh, VUX World is part now of the Voice First FM network. Um, if you've heard the first four episodes, then you won't have heard me say that because I'd already recorded the first four episodes by the time this had all happened. But it is part of the Voice First FM network, and if you are involved in the voice area, the voice industry, the voice scene, and you haven't heard of Voice First FM yet, first of all, where have you been? And second of all, do check it out because there are some really, really interesting podcasts in there. There is uh, the Alexa podcast, which is super interesting. They're every single week, they have This Week in Voice, which is Bradley Metrock, the uh, the founder of the podcast. He gets somebody on there from within the industry. They discuss the news and what's been going on. Um, there's all there's, there's the voice of healthcare. There, there is all kinds of uh, interesting podcasts, and I am super excited to be to be part of it and to have Voice User Experience World uh, be under that umbrella so without further ado ladies and gentlemen today's guest i am super excited to have today's guest he is one of the people who i think is really shaping the voice world at the moment and the company that he has co-founded is really making some incredible strides uh, in the voice space uh, he is called Jan Koenig, and the company is Jovo. If you haven't, if you are a developer, you've probably already come across Jovo. You may well be using Jovo. Um, if you are wanting to get into the voice space uh, and you want to learn more about it, then you are going to want to literally uh, pay close attention to every one of Jan's words. Now, without further ado, here is Jan. Jan, hello. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Thanks a lot for the warm words. <laughs> <laughs> You're more than welcome, more than welcome. So, Jan, you are the co-founder of Jovo Tech. Uh, do you want to tell those people who are listening who don't know what Jovo is a little bit about what Jovo is? Sure. Yeah. Um, so thanks a lot for, for having me. I'm Jan. Uh, I'm one of two founders of Jovo, and Jovo is the... Uh, the first OS apps that worked on both Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. Uh, we were a part of Betaworks Voice Camp um, in 2017, and um, from April through the end of June, it was um, an 11-week accelerator program. And while we were part of this, um, we discovered that a lot of people face this huge pain that they have to develop for both platforms, they have to like maintain different kinds of code bases, and this is when we decided that um, there needs to be an open source solution that lets developers just build once and then um, deploy on different platforms, and uh, this is what we're building with Jovo. Cool. So how did you get to the point of Jovo? What's your kind of background and your career, and what's led you to, to co-founding Jovo? So my co-founder, Alex, and I, um, we um, started working together about three and a half years ago, I think. So we st started working on different projects together. And our last project, which was in social media space, uh, led us to um, developing different like 
Facebook Messenger chatbots, Alexa skills, stuff like that, because we're thinking a lot about how to like bring content that's in social media um, into different channels where the users are. And while we were developing and experimenting with Alexa skills, uh, we discovered there's right now there's not a lot of tools available to make that easier, uh, the development part of it. And also, um, and that's like if we take one step further from the framework to what our vision is, um, what we learned is it's very difficult right now to build something on voice which is beyond the the isolated experience of just being an Alexa skills. What we wanted to have, for example, is to have an Alexa skill, but then send further information to the phone when we're like on the go and stuff like that. So for these multimodal experiences, uh, we thought, okay, there needs to be a solution, and um, this is what we use to apply to um, BetaWorks Voice Camp with, and um, start working on different prototypes for these multimodal experiences on multiple devices and platforms. And um, while working on this, um, we realized how early this space is, and that we need to and to get started by targeting one specific problem, which is cross-platform voice app development, and then later adding more and more platforms and devices um, with a multimodal API. And that's where we are right now. We are now, like, we launched the Jovo framework officially in September. It has been open-sourced um, for a few months, and um, launching uh, version one of the framework, uh, like, a um, a big step and a big milestone for us in the next few days. Mm -hmm. So, what will the in the over the next few days? Um, what is some of the kind of uh, main either enhancements or developments on the framework, or is that is that all a surprise? <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. We we've actually been testing um, it with uh, people in our community for for the last few weeks, and it was also our main requested feature. And so. So if you, uh, I don't know, I don't know how how in depth you've been going into the voice app development part in your podcast and previous episodes, but um, so um, voice app development right now has like two main elements, or actually three main elements. It's the it's the voice device, the smart speaker um, on that side, and um, and then the voice platform in the in the middle as a middle layer and the actual voice apps code to the, um, on the other side. And when a person is talking to the voice device, this is then sending the information to the voice API where the, the voice apps language model is sitting. So every developer has to have both code of the app and the language model. So when I'm saying like, I wanna order, like tell this and that app to order a pizza, I um, Previously, um, I, as a developer, should have trained my language model um, to understand what that means, ordering pizza, with like a pizza order intent, for example, or just an order intent. And this order intent is then pushed to the, the application's code. Um, so until today, um, Jovo is just supporting the code side. So people only had to use one code base, only had to want, uh, to uh, learn one domain-specific language um, for like how, how voice development learn, uh, works. Um, but a lot of people told us that like having to maintain different language models on both Alexa and Dialogflow, which is the natural language understanding tool um, owned by Google, um, that this is also a pain to have like two different language models and when you're updating them, it changes, you have to change it in both platforms. And so what we're launching with version one is a, um, a new 
um, consolidated language model, which people just maintain locally in a JSON file. And then we're offering um, command line tools that transform this JSON file into either an Alexa language model or in a dialogue flow um, language agent um, and lets, that lets people deploy this to the different platforms. So it's uh, another step of helping people to like save time and um, focus on like uh, the more important work, which is like building the language model um, understand the designing the language model and also building the logic and not focusing on doing like repetitive work. Mm. That sounds quite a quite a task. That and I, I imagine that will save a hell of a lot of time because it's kind of so the kind of vision for Jovo seems to be to you know simplify and sort of standardize some of those potentially quite laborious tasks that developers would have to do for all of these different platforms. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is um, and also now so. I think what's what's even more interesting for us is um, now that like people already have um, the language model in a local file, we can also use this language model to create automated tests, for example, like does this intent work and stuff like that, and um, like things like this um, are now made possible by by maintaining the language model in a local file with the Jovo framework. But this is just yeah, how we're trying to expand our offerings from just the code development to also like the language model development. Language model testing will be added later as well. Like all of these things are which, how we're trying to expand like horizontally. Yeah. So you mentioned that the kind of bigger vision is for this kind of multimodal um, application where, um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but multimodal is where you might say something in voice, but get something returned that's not voice, like a video or an image or or use a different device to, uh, let's say, for example, if you call Alexa, you might get the response sent through to your phone or something like that. Is that, is that the right definition of multimodal or would you be able to yeah. kind of give a better one than that? So there's many different definitions of multimodal. Uh, I'm actually um, writing my master's thesis about that topic right now, and um, and there is no real definition of multimodal, and that's a problem. And I'm interviewing experts in the field, and everyone has a different definition. But um, what's like the academic view on that is that multimodal um, can be both in parallel or sequential. So send something to my phone so I can read it later, or um, like that's sequential, like what, what we um, previously called a continuous experience. Um, I'm at home and I, I wanna know if my, my train's leaving at the right time, so I'm just asking, um, asking my, my smart speaker and the smart speaker sending me a push notification while I'm leaving the house, for example. So stuff like that, um, or I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking to a smart speaker, but then I want to continue the conversation later when I'm on that train. And of course, I don't want to like talk while I'm sitting. Like at least not now. People aren't used to that uh, by now. But it's um, and then I want to just type the answer. And Google Assistant is doing this extremely well. They offer a lot of these continuous experience features now. Um, when we got to Voice Camp, they didn't have this, and the Echo Show wasn't there yet. So um, this is why. We, um, we, we still believe it's important to be cross-platform and to offer these multimodal features um, like across different assistants. Um, so there's still 
a need for that, we believe. But um, we, we thought, okay, let's let's wait a little bit what the what the big platforms are doing. And so this is uh, the continuous um, one. And then also multimodal is um, if you remember Minority Report, um, Tom Cruise being in front of a gigantic machine, like using his hands and his voice and everything, seeing stuff, hearing stuff. So this is like the parallel multimodal part. Uh, but academic research thinks that most people um, right now prefer um, like the sequential use of multimodal. Like people don't need to use gestures with voice and stuff like that. I, I believe this will be become more important later with AR, um, AR and mixed reality. People won't like click um, inside like an AR or a mixed reality world. And um, so I think this will become more important there as well. So yeah, that's the bigger vision uh, which we're currently building small small scale prototypes for um, to to test out different multimodal features um, but our main focus right now is the the framework as a basic uh, as a basis for like voice app development as our main layer and we will later then adding more more features um, as on top of that cool so what what do you i mean i can imagine that the whole multimodal thing would be quite a challenge as it is what what is what do you think is the kind of biggest challenge to to reaching that multimodal kind of experience so we the, the main challenge right now is and um amazon might be uh, working on solving that is um account linking so right now it's pretty difficult for people like um, in the current ecosystem to build a multimodal experience because it's like super unnatural how account linking works today. Like people have to go into the Alexa app. The app doesn't work that well. And you have to put in username and password. And username and password aren't like built for a voice world. So what we built was um, what we called seamless account linking. So people like we generated voice pins. And this was a year ago, so it's really like not not that new anymore. People have been doing this uh, now for, for quite some time, but like a voice pin, which, which you could use to do like account linking in the back end and not through username and password and stuff like that. Um, Google has an advantage there because they already have their ecosystem with just um, a Google account. You already, like I have a Pixel phone now, um, which is like perfect. I'm now talking to my phone a lot, but just like because I can just squeeze it. Does it work? Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, um, it, like Google Assistant just like flashes up when I'm using um, using that, and um, I also have smart earbuds now. So when I'm on the bike, I usually I wear one, and then I can just like click it um, twice, and then tell Google Assistant to bring me home by bike, for example, and it then acts as a like navigation. Like I think stuff like that will become increasingly important, and um, I think. The main challenge for us when we started working on multimodal solutions is that all these different platforms are currently trying to build walled gardens, and they don't want you to build like a bridge between these walled gardens. So, um, so we we believe um, that the market still needs to mature a little bit, and people need to get used to um, connecting different devices. Uh, Amazon is working on Bluetooth with their gadgets. API, for example, um, to, to use Bluetooth to connect and not like try to 
um, use just username and password and everything. So, so I believe that um, we will see a lot of different things happening in the future. And I mean, even if it's just sequential use, but not really multimodal. So I'm in the, I'm at home listening to a podcast, and then I'm walking into my car, and then I can just like tell the voice assistant in the car to continue listening to that podcast. I mean, even that is a very seamless experience. It's not like technically multimodal, um, but it's still, I, I believe, to like bring voice outside the home is a is a first great step to to a multimodal experience later. So the the whole kind of walled garden concept there's been there's been a lot of stuff kicking around in the last few months which I'll, obviously you'll be aware of and things like Google taking YouTube off the Echo Show and stuff like that <laughs> and there's there's obviously going yeah. to be some quite intense sort of rivalry between uh, Google and Amazon in in this kind of space what uh, what have they kind of or have you had any feedback from the two um, companies? On on Jovo, because presumably you're you're obviously trying to do exactly that, aren't you? You're trying to kind of have one simple way of using both platforms. Have you had any sort of feedback from them on on yeah? On so that at the beginning, of course, like when we just had like I don't know ten stars on GitHub and we were showing it to them. I mean, the evangelists they they told us like from a developer perspective that this is great. Uh, I mean, we um, but they like they were hesitant of like really promoting us, but now that we have more users, that we have a community, we have like a lot of skills published with the framework, um, that's like people are now realizing that our main benefit is not only like cross-platform development, but also simplifying the development part of it. So with our framework, people can also host their Google Actions on AWS Lambda, for example, which is like, Good for Amazon as well. So, so stuff like this, we're just trying to like break down the barriers a little bit, uh, and um, like doing that. And now that people realize that it's not about cross-platform, but it's about simplifying the development experience. And I believe that they think this is uh, this is going into a good direction. But still, like we we're still not like. Uh, like we're still not on the list of Amazon like recommended tools or something, which like we, we which we understand and uh, um, but that's that's fine for us. Um, like we we still like we see ourselves as a as a community of voice app developers, and we think it's important to have like a a neutral like to be neutral like in between these different platforms and um, like. And so, so we don't really like we we're working with both platforms, and um, we we think um, they're all both going to a great direction. But it's um, for us, it's it's good that we are not like too close to to both ecosystems. Yeah, you can then kind of remain entirely objective about everything, then, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also like that, like we have a lot of great feedback for them as well, just because we have many developers working on both. Ec- Ecosystems and they give us like great feedback on hey why why doesn't why does that not work on Dialogflow uh, and stuff like that so cool you mentioned the um, the kind of community um, community of developers I've kind of seen over the over the past few sort of days when I've been kind of looking at things on Jovo that it is actually quite a, an active and fruitful kind of group of people isn't it who are, are fairly active and contributing to uh, you know, like to the Slack channel and stuff like that it's, it is fairly um, fairly active isn't it 
Yeah, I mean, that's like one of the things that motivates me most. So we, we just really, like we didn't really think about like community a lot when we started working on this in, in May. So we were still pretty new to that topic. We've just been like tinkering with a voice stuff for a few months. And so we thought, okay, let's just build a framework that makes that easier. Um, use that as an entry point for multimodal and like this framework will be finished in two months <laughs> we thought like, oh, oh my gosh and so um so we just kept improving and then we learned like that it's really like valuable to have so many different people like working with a framework with working with agencies with in, independent developers they all have like great feedback and it's really cool to see like how many people are building cool stuff with it, it's still difficult for us to measure how many people are using the framework because it's open source. People can just download it and using it in their code. Um, but we started a Slack channel in December, and um, and we believe, and this is um, our focus in 2018, is really to grow, like healthily grow the the voice developer community um, with Jovo. Um, because we learned like how valuable this is to to have so many different talented people who are really passionate about this. I mean, it's still um, it's still such an early topic. Many people like don't make any money. Uh, everyone who is working um, in this space um, is really in there because um, they think it's super interesting and they're passionate about it, not not because of the money. Um, so I, I think this is really great to um, to have this as a like as a building block of a community. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to growing that, growing the Slack channel and um, like welcoming more people to our community and helping them building uh, like great stuff. Cool. So what is, what is the Slack channel for anyone listening who might want to get involved and, and uh, see what's going on over there? So it's um, on jovo.tech, uh, J-O-B-O dot tech slash Slack. <laughs> cool. <laughs> nice and simple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've obviously built that URL for a voice audience, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Nice. So is that where you get kind of most of your, um, you know, your kind of roadmap for, for Jovo? Is that where a lot of your kind of feedback and stuff comes from? Or have you got kind of, is it in yours and Alex's brains in terms of where you want things to go and what you want to kind of release next? Um, a few things. So yes, definitely by talking to our developers, and uh, we have a Slack channel called Feature Requests, for example, and we actively talk to to the people there. We also have GitHub issues. So when people ask for like when people wish for some stuff, they also sometimes create an issue or email. Um, like we've we have a live widget as well on the website that people just use to to ask us questions. So for us, it was really important to add a lot of feedback channels um, to learn because it's open source and we can't like we don't have the email addresses from our users. And so and this and also what we like recently launched is Jova Studios like for as part for our community to also like to work on real life projects and also to to make some money. Um, because we learned that there's many brands that are like actively looking for specialists in the voice space because there aren't a lot out there, and they um, usually brands desire that it's important for them to have like um, to have it work on both platforms, and then they start working with the Jovo framework, and then they realize, oh, oh my gosh, it's super difficult to build a great voice experience like beyond prototyping, and then they usually reach out and ask us if we know anyone, and this is our our new experiment is Jovo Studios, which we call a global network of voice professionals um, 
where we like work together with brands to bring in different professionals like VUI designers or VUX designers and, uh, and developers to collaborate on projects together, um, which we then use uh, as insights for like how we can improve our, our product as well, um, which is very interesting for us to, to learn more about. Like, um, we learned that many voice developers right now are also the voice designers mostly. So it's really just like it's really developer driven right now. Uh, but there are there are great like v, VUI designers out there um, as well. And uh, I believe right now there's a huge gap between design and development. So um, and so for us, it's really interesting to see how how that evolves. Like what what happens if more than one person is working on the voice app project, for example. So this is very interesting to see, and we're just getting started there, but it's uh, an interesting space, definitely. Mm. So have have you and Alex, and uh, as part of Jovo, uh, you've kind of built your own voice apps for people outside of Jovo Studios so far? Uh, so yeah, so we've been, um, I mean, we've been calling it Jovo Studios internally for a few, for a few months. Um, we really like, we're a product startup. We we're not an agency, so we um, we were really hesitant about like doing projects. Um, but then we, uh, when when companies approached us, we saw the opportunity of just like eating our own dog food and like trying our own tools um, to publish something. And like if it's a huge brand, there's also the opportunity to, to test your framework with like tens of thousands of users, um, which is really cool. And so we like depending on the project, we thought, okay, that's a that's uh, that's a good way. But um, even with our first project, we we brought in people from the community just because we didn't want to like we don't want to hire like a full like service agency or anything. We just want to like stay like a product company um, with a like a strong community around it and um, like bring in the right people for that. Mm. Cool. So you, I'm, I'm always kind of interested in in the the different kinds of people that make up teams that that end up doing stuff. And you mentioned there that there's a lot of the kind of voice apps being driven predominantly by by developers. In your experience of building these voice apps, what kind of mixture of skills do you think works well in a team to create a, a good, really good voice experience? So um, I'm. I, I briefly talked about this in the in the blog post where uh, we explain a little bit uh, like how Jovo Studios work. So for us, it's important to have. So the problem is for brands, it's very difficult on Alexa, for example, to like keep their own voice just because you're like like it's it's a, little, it's a little confusing on Google Assistant, for example. You it's more like a group chat when you're talking to an app like. Google Assistant is just like pulling in a, another member to the conversation, and then you're talking to that member. But on Alexa, you just you keep talking to Alexa, and so it's very difficult uh, for a brand to like distinguish um, themselves like from the Alexa brand. So it's even more important to have like clear branding, to have a clear, a uh, clear communication strategy. So, um, so in in our opinion, it's really important to work like directly with uh, an expert, um, like a brand expert who knows the brand, who knows um, the, the target group, um, um, the target user or customer, uh, and then also a voice designer and a developer. That's like the Venn diagram right now, what we're 
trying to do. Um, the problem I see currently is that um, like we design and uh, and the development, there's a lot of overlap and there needs to be a lot of overlap because um, like you can design great conversations, like um, that's one thing, but there's so many technical limitations right now that it's extremely important for VUI designers as well to understand the technical capabilities of the platforms and also the differences between the platforms. And so um, all these things make it a little difficult right now and we're um, currently thinking about how, like when and how are we bringing in different people and how can we support that with different tools? It's, I mean, it, it even starts with um, like a lot of agencies um, that are used, like creative agencies that are used to like building websites um, or mobile apps, they're just used for um, writing like for the eye and not, not writing for the ear. So um, they have their copywriters, they're great at writing like content um, copy for websites, but not so good um, like because they're just new to it um, like for, for the ear for voice apps. Like stuff like that, that's the small details um, where it's like extremely important um, I think to build um, to build skills um, for, like, build these skills for building skills, like, um, build these voice, voice skills. Um, so I think that's um, that's extremely important and um, why many companies, I believe, should also start investing in this space, like, not only by working with agencies, but also by building internal teams and testing internally to understand how this space works. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned there that there's the, the um, <clears throat> some of the designers may not know the difference necessarily between um, designing or developing for Google uh, Assistant versus Amazon Alexa. Let's say that I'm a designer and I join your project team to work on a voice experience. What would be the, say, I don't know, maybe it's top five things that you would tell me that would mark the difference between uh, Google Assistant and Alexa from a, a creative or development perspective? The main difference is... Um so that's a, a good question, uh, definitely. So five, <laughs> five points. Uh, or more, or, well, <laughs> if you can think of more. <laughs> or even maybe there might be fewer, um, I don't know. So, yeah, so, so the, um, just to clarify for that, so we are a cross-platform development framework, but we also offer platform-specific features. So um, there's just like... People don't have to build once and deploy it everywhere. They can also like build depending on the platform different things, and um, because there are a lot of like platform specific features. But um, um, in my opinion, the the number one difference between the two platforms, for example, is um, how the the language models work. So on um, Alexa, can be quite difficult sometimes to like when you have large language models so usually as a voice designer you like just create the um the experience without thinking a lot about the language model just because like it needs to be a good conversation so you think about okay what's the input what's the output what can people say and how should i respond um and we've done this um, quite some time, uh, quite a lot, uh, and then afterwards, after building it out, realized that um, this model that results from just this design 
um, doesn't work with Alexa just because Alexa is like randomly mapping like input to the wrong intents. Um, so this is just um, like when one intent, so you have different sample phrases and utterances in one intent. And if that's too broad, then Alexa just uh, tends to just map everything to that intent. So okay, that's probably also should go into that intent. And the problem with Alexa there is that um, after your skill is live and um, stuff is mapped to the wrong intent, you don't learn anything by it because Amazon doesn't provide you with the raw text of what people said. And so this is the main problem right now where we believe it's also very important to test the language model while designing the experience. So to have like a, I don't know, to do it in parallel, we're currently thinking about a, um, about the process, like when should people, like what should the different um, steps be um, to, to test both the design, the language model, and then the code for uh, a voice app development project. So this is number one, uh, where Dialogflow, the NLU engine from, uh, from Google, it works a little better because it provides you with the raw text. It lets you like um, limit um, different um, intents based on the state. So, so when you are asking a question like, what's your name or what's your like favorite animal, you can let Dialogflow know that you're expecting actually like an animal, like dog or something. But if you, um, on, on Alexa, it's, it's not doing that. So it's not using the current conversation's context to, um, to do the natural language understanding. Like this is one of the differences. And number two is that there's um, Amazon is currently still uh, built for the home, so it's a different context. Um, Amazon is great as a smart speaker. Um, they like when when we're thinking about like people are waking up in the morning, making them ready, um, and then also arriving at home and um, coming home in the evening, it's like family around the table, um, like talking to the device, sitting on the couch, stuff like that. So these like laid back informal experiences um, are interesting for, for Alexa devices, but um, Alexa isn't that great, um, in my opinion, in between that, like when people are actually leaving the house. Um, so I think this context is important to consider when developing um, a voice app for Alexa. Google Assistant is a little diff uh, different, so I'm actually like I'm not using Google Home a lot at home, and there's actually some Wi-Fi issues. So, like I don't know if you've seen that, but Google Home has this bug where like it just like disconnects all the other devices once it's <laughs> once it's in in the Wi-Fi, and I was like I was trying, and I was like no. Um, that can't that can't happen. So, um, but since I have the Pixel two, so I switched from iPhone to Pixel two. I'm I'm really like more talking to my phone than uh, like actually using using touch. Um, so, um, it's a great like um, voice is a great layer um, for this. Um, operating system for the phone as well. So I was looking for, I know, options to, uh, preferences to um, lighten up my, my screen, so to, to increase the screen brightness. And I didn't find it because it was a new operating system for me. So I was just asking Google Assistant to like um, brighten the screen and it worked. And like stuff like that, or setting a timer and stuff like that, I'm not like usually not using uh, the phone features. I'm just asking Google Assistant. So, and I believe, 
and with my smart earbuds and stuff like that, so I'm really using it uh, more and more on the go. So these are, and I'm actually like I've draft, I've started drafting a blog post about this, like a voice leaving the home um, in December. I haven't like gotten around um, like doing the finishing touches and everything, but I believe this will become more important and um, could become really interesting for different use cases, like. Uh, like on-the-go voice experiences could, could become something interesting once more um, smart earbuds and stuff like that emerged. Um, so this is number two. Also Google features, you can type, you can um, show like gallery elements, you can have buttons and stuff like that, which is different on Alexa where the multimodal experience is actually like the Echo Show screen, like just like that. So there's uh, different layers. And um, number three is what I already mentioned is on Google Assistant, the voice app has like, it's actually like, for them it's really important that it is a different brand. You're not talking to Google Assistant anymore. You're talking to this app, which is like, like which Assistant just asked to join the conversation. Um, someone from, from Google just explained it to us that it's like, they see Google Assistant more like a dinner party where you're like, talking to someone and when you ask that person a question and they don't know the answer, they're just like, oh, my friend up there knows, um, knows um, how that works. So let me just call them, call them here. And so, so this is like a, a distinction compared to Alexa where it's actually like, it's a skill. Like you're not, like you're teaching Alexa new skills. It's something different. You're still talking to Alexa. And uh, so this is just a, a distinction that um, I believe is very important when you are um, developing that as well. Um, so just to, just to clarify that then, does that mean that with Google Assistant, it will kind of hand you off to the most appropriate app or third party that it thinks will solve your problem as opposed to Alexa, whereas you would need to ask it to invoke a skill of some kind. Is that right? Um, yeah, so um, both platforms have um, are experimenting with stuff like that. Uh, I think Google Assistant is a little better right now. It's doing a little better. So this is called implicit invocation. So you don't have to call the invocation name. You can just like, hey, uh, hey Google, um, I want to cook a great dinner tonight, and then Google um, says, oh, hey, um, I think this and that app could help with that. Yeah, so, so really like that dinner <laughs> uh, dinner party thing. Um, and, um, and Alexa is actually doing stuff like that as well. So um, I believe also their goal is that you don't have to call app names because that's like not a natural experience. Um, but r right now, I think the app needs to be whitelisted um, for, for it to work. Um, and on Google Assistant, it's a little different. If different, you can actually define like implicit triggers when you're developing the, the voice app. So, so that it actually like you can, like you have some control over how you want your app to be discovered in this implicit discovery. So it sounds as though Google has um, probably a more well-rounded a platform at the moment would that be fair to say because you were mentioning there that you're using it on your phone you're using it in your earbuds and and it's kind of seems a lot more flexible than than alexa um from a technical point of view um definitely um it's 
from a developer, like from a developer perspective, it's still like way easier to develop for Alexa. Like prototyping and stuff like that is uh, is easier. But Dialogflow, like the NLU engine, is uh, in my opinion better on um, for Google Assistant apps. Uh, definitely, you, you have more. Uh, more control, uh, you get the raw text and stuff like that. But um, the, the, what people say, though, is that uh, discovery isn't that great right now on Google Assistant. So people rarely use uh, third-party apps. And I've um, noticed this as well. It's, um, so I'm, I'm rarely using any third-party skills right now. Um, like I'm sometimes playing uh, EM. Uh, I don't know if you know the, the company you play. They were also part of the, the voice camp accelerator. So I'm sometimes playing it when I'm waiting for the train or something. So that's um, interesting. Um, uh, but um, I believe like for, for stuff like that, uh, implicit discovery isn't there yet. And um, and so like Alexa still has the like the way larger developer ecosystem and um, for for that, like for voice apps to to be used on a daily basis. So what um, you were talking there that that the, the um, NLU from Google Dialogflow is a lot better than Alexa. How how do you then go about tests? So before you kind of launch a, um, a skill for Alexa, how would you test to make sure that all of those kind of things like invocations and stuff like that is are actually doing the things that they should be if you don't have access to the text that people are actually speaking into it what what other tools are available to to do that testing for alexa um so there's uh, bespoken is a is a good tool for for testing we also have a bespoken integration as bespoken.io um, there they're also working on some automated testing and um, what, but what I'm currently doing, and this is a pain, definitely, um, is just manual testing. And what we're uh, what we're building right now, it won't be part of uh, version 1.0, but probably version 1.1 or 1.2, is uh, language model testing. Which, um, so, right now, when you want to test your voice apps with Jobo, um, you can just like run a local server. You don't have to upload your code to AWS Lambda all the time. So you just run a local server, and then you see it in the logs. It's like a, a good way for local debugging. And what we're going to add is a, is a debugging mode for the language model. So you can just say, like, in your command line, Jobo run, and then, like, I don't know, language model mode or like haven't figured that out yet. Um, and then it would just log the the intent um, that was understood and by just like you, you can faster talk to it. And it's still a manual process. Um, so we need to figure out a way to like record what a person is saying and then like putting that into an automated test. But I think it's a good first step. Right now, it's a very manual process to test a language model um, because you really have to test it by talking to it. And um, we are making this a little easier with a like, language model testing mode uh, where you don't have to go through like your whole voice apps logic. Um, you're just like talking to it, and it uses the language model that you have um, and just returns um, to Z. Like, if it matched it to the right intent. Um, so it's like we're really only a, a little step towards like easier testing of, of that. But um, in the future, hopefully, we can add an automated way or work with Bespoken to, to do something like that. Um, but that's like right now um, when 
developing a little more complex apps, that's sometimes like the, the most frustrating thing is to debug the language model because it suddenly starts, like it, it really suddenly starts to map intents and slots to the, to the wrong intents and slots and stuff like that. And then you have to go into the code again. And um, so this is definitely um, an important step to think about solutions to make that, that easier as well. So I just wanted to see, um, let's say, for example, if there, if there is somebody uh, listening to this who is a developer, doesn't use Jovo, doesn't, hasn't developed a, um, a voice experience just yet, but is looking to get involved, how would they go about kind of getting up and running with Jovo and what sort of languages would they need to be familiar with to, to develop within the framework? So, yeah, so for us, it's important to make it as easy as possible to get started. Um, so um, we have a, a subpage on our website, which is called dovo.tech slash learn, um, where we have different courses. It's not a lot of courses, but it's like step-by-step guides that helps people, that help people understand like the basic principles of voice app development and how to use our framework. Um, on our website, on the first page, we also have a, like, we will have after the V1 launch, um, so probably will be ready once you publish this uh, this episode. Um, uh, a, a getting started with Jovo in five simple steps guide that will show people how to install it, um, download the sample app, um, deploy the language model, and uh, run the local web server, and then just test it. So that should be by then uh, a very streamlined process. About the framework, it's uh, Node.js, um, it's uh, similar to the Alexa skills kit or the actions on Google SDK, uh, which both are in Node.js as well. And if you're used to uh, building stuff with the Alexa SDK, um, Jovo is like more similar to this one um, compared to the actions on Google SDK. Um, so we try to cherry pick the best of both worlds a little bit, um, but also like most people are used to Alexa skill development right now, so we wanted to make the transition easier uh, for them. And um, so it's really, we have a lot of um, beginner developers in our community as well, uh, because voice is a, is a great platform to start tinkering and developing because it's easy to, to do prototypes and to learn by doing. Uh, so I would encourage everyone, even if they see themselves like not as developers, uh, but VUI designers, to build their own voice apps, um, at least for like testing and prototyping purposes, to learn more about how the language models work, how like the routing works, how different states work, and stuff like that. It's really like I'm not a developer as well. Um, I've been like learning more about it. I've uh, I've published several skills, but I've um, like I haven't started out as a developer, and um, I could still under understand the the principles and everything. So, um, in my opinion, um, anyone could learn that. It's a, an exciting field. It's it's good stuff to like learn learn more step by step. And so, yeah, let's get started. Cool. Let's do it. What what advice would you give to someone who is just getting started in the in the kind of voice space? So what helped me a lot, and I'm I'm also I mean I, we just started out a year ago, um, 
and we were completely new to this topic as well. We had a little experience with like Facebook Messenger chatbots and, and stuff like that, but we were also still new. And uh, what helped me a lot was like like follow a lot of people in this space on Twitter, like um, be part of all those different Slack channels. The Alexa Slack is very active, has like 1,700 members. And um, like join the Jovo chat uh, Slack and um, and just uh, try, try it out with a very simple voice app and try to go from prototyping. Like prototyping is easy, but try to go from like idea to publishing a voice app as fast as possible. That's probably it. We have like again, we we try to improve our docs um, every day, um, publish more content, tutorials on our blog, and also courses. We're um, soon um, doing video courses as well. So um, if you want to learn more about this, uh, happy to help as well in our Slack channel. Cool. Um, you were mentioning. Uh um about the um so you mentioned about uh, jovo studios and, and a community of people who you're looking to put together um there and i know one of the things that, that you were um wanting to talk about was <clears throat> about how vui designers and developers can uh, can better communicate um to to see whether we can create kind of tools and, and have a more of a collaboration within the community obviously it sounds like the the jovo kind of uh slack channel is really helping in in that respect um is there is there kind of any other sort of areas where um where people within the industry can collaborate and, and what, what kind of tools are, were you kind of thinking about in in that respect so there are some some great tools out there um where people can design and prototype um voice apps and so for example there is say spring um from new york uh, we have Storyline and um, Smartly, and there's also some others um, out there that are in a private beta right now. Um, and there's uh, different kinds of tools. So SafeSpring is currently only focused on the development part, like uh, on the design part. So they're really a design tool. And they're thinking about okay, how how does a developer handoff look like later, uh, while um, Storyline and Smartly also allow you to actually publish the apps um, that you designed on the platform. So um, what we're doing, we're sometimes using like all of them <laughs> to prototype stuff, just because we learned it's um, like they they all have their different advantages. Um, but what it's really like there's currently a gap between, okay, I, ha I finished my prototype on e either SafeSpring or Storyline or Smartly, but now I want to like develop it with like a certain development framework. Um, right now there's like people like designers create flowcharts and then developers use these flowcharts to, to develop the voice app. And so, so there's still like a gap. It's still undefined how a developer handoff um, should look like, and I even believe um, like this term developer handoff um, isn't applicable really for for voice app development because um, it's important to have the developer like involved in the process earlier um, to be like to have um, a clear feedback process between design and development because like as, as I mentioned like the 
the language model parts and um, parts that are like technical limitations between the different platforms. So I, I believe that it's important to have a collaborative process between development and design uh, where maybe in mobile app development and website development it was a little different because um, you could clearly like see if it's possible to like build this app um, that a designer designed. At least like, I don't know, for the simple things. Um, but that's just one thing. We're still at the beginning of figuring out how, how to do that, like how to bridge the gap from the flowchart to uh, a, a fully designed flow. But that's just like one of the things um, we're currently um, thinking about that could be very exciting in the future if, if anyone like solves uh, this problem. Cool. So what's coming up then in, in 2018 for, for yourself, Jan, and, and for Yovo? What's, what's, uh, what's the aims for 2018? What, what you're up to and what you're, what you're working on? So <laughs> our main focus um, like was very, um, afterwards, like we will take a deep breath and um, like define our own. We have a few ideas. Uh, I mean, I mentioned a few of the things like language model testing, maybe automated testing. And um, also like helping like bridge the gap between design and development. So it's still like the goal for us is to emerge the Jovo framework into a platform that like helps in the in the whole process. Um, this is still like um, extremely um, like undefined. We're not like um, talking about this. Um, a lot right now, just because it's like still a thought in our heads. Uh, for, like our, our, our main focus is still growing the community, and um, and for this, um, we're also we're currently in the process of um, planning a conference in Berlin um, for about about voice. Um, so we're about voice and multimodal actually. So we're still um, we announced it last year. And um, we're still like looking for the right date and the right location, but it's it might still be in in spring uh, twenty eighteen uh, probably. So, <laughs> so it might, might still be in, in spring. Uh, so um, so we're currently figuring this out, and also are looking for partners to help us with that. So it won't be a Jovo conference; it will be. A community-driven voice conference, just because we like we don't want to do just a, a Jovo show up there. We want to build the community together and um, increase uh, the reach of the voice space in general. And so um, this is what we're also working on. And then, of course, always talking to our users and thinking about what could the next steps be to make the the experience even better for them. Fantastic. Well, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like you've uh, you're going to be busy. <laughs> also, of course, for me to finish my master's thesis finally. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I have a deadline there, um, end of end of April. So this is also like it's going to be a little stressful, though. Yeah. At least the thesis part to uh, to finally like sit down and do that. It's an it's an intense process, and yeah. any kind of uh, long assignment like that is an incredibly intense yeah. uh, intense process, isn't it? Cool. So where where can uh, where can people get in touch with you? What I'll do is I'll put the links to to um, the website and the framework and all that kind of stuff in the in the show notes. Where could people get in touch with you if if they wanted to reach out to you or, or see what you're up to and, and follow you online? Sure. Um, so. 
Um, always, of course, happy to um, to have people join the Slack community. Um, feel free to um, send a direct message there as well if you have any questions. And um, also, um, you can reach me at jan at jobo.tech or the whole team at uh, team at jobo.tech. And um, I'm on Twitter um, at um, Ein König, which is German. Um, it's E-I-N-K-O-E-N-I-G. Um, and also Jovo is on Twitter um, at uh, Jovo Tech, just uh, one, one word. Cool. Fantastic. Nice one. That was Jan from Jovo. That was, a, that was an interesting conversation that um, it sounds as though Jovo's mission and vision for uh, um, to be able to enable simplistic multimodal experiences is something that will provide tremendous value to people if they can overcome the um, the challenges that come with that come with that that we've that uh, Jan has spoke uh, about just there um, if you haven't tried Jovo out yet do give it a go if you're looking to get into the voice space and you're looking to craft your voice skills as Jan said give it a go um, the sooner you learn about it the sooner you'll be um, being able to develop some decent voice experiences and if you're a developer and you're already developing for Alexa and you're using some other tools uh, it's worth giving Jovo a try and, and, and see um, see what it is, see what it's all about. I mean, it's, it does certainly make sense to have one code base, uh, one code repository, and to be able to then publish that to the two uh, major players, really, in the voice space at the moment, Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa. So thank you, Jan, for the time, taking the time to speak to us. Uh, really interesting episode. I'll put all of the contact details for Jan and the links to the Slack channel and all that stuff in the show notes. And... I hope you did enjoy that. I certainly did. And as always, I'll see you next time. Bye.